I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. We have a group of women here, and those of you that are watching by live stream, those of you that are watching by video, that are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom is with power. We are not settled with just being born again. We are not settled with just being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. We want the kingdom. Jesus came to give us the kingdom. So won't you join us and let God minister to you that kingdom. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly father, I thank you. My heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you. My heavenly father, I thank you. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia. That we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto you. And we ask this, Father. And I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that spirit of grace on this meeting. Father, I thank you for a spirit of grace on this meeting. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin with a testimony from a sister of ours out in California, Donna Fessel. She's been with this ministry since the 1990s, and she has a wonderful testimony. She was here last week to visit us, and I, took, I asked her to do this on video so we could have it for today. She couldn't be with us on a Thursday. So we're going to begin with Donna Fessel. So whenever you guys are ready, let's hear you, Donna. Uh, I just want you to know my name is Donna. I'm from California, and I want to share what God has done for me in my life. Back in 1998, I was watching a program that said, uh, from Water of Life, Dole Davidson, and on the, the screen it had 291 free, teach, uh, free hours of teaching tapes that you can just call and request them. So I did that, and sure that enough the tapes did come and I started listening to those and God started opening my eyes, opening my heart to hear the truth and I'm so thankful. I was the happiest girl in the world. I'm telling you, I was so happy when you come to hear the truth because he says the truth will set you free. Know the truth and you'll set you free and that's what God was doing with me. At the time I was in college, um, I was a single mom, two kids and Thank God. I was on welfare for 14 years. And God said, um, one day out of Dole's, well, actually I started um, listening to the tapes. And then I started, I kept wanting to go to sleep. For some reason, for like two weeks, I just wanted to sleep sleep and I couldn't I couldn't do my homework I just couldn't stay awake and I kept asking the Lord what's going on and um, he didn't answer and I just kept asking what's going on he didn't answer so I went to college I went to school and I was taking culinary arts so we had um, classroom um, in the morning and then afterwards we went into the kitchen to cook for the school and I went to the class in the morning and I told the teacher afterwards I said I have an appointment I cannot go in the kitchen today and I and he said okay I went home my appointment was with God I didn't tell him that but it was with God and I went home and I'm like what's going on why do I keep can't stay awake why is this happening to me I fell asleep again when I woke up I was what's going on why am I keep sleeping what's going on what's happening 
go of tell, asking him, and Jesus spoke to me, and he said, I'll teach you. And I said, thank you. I went to school the next day, and I said, I quit. <laughs> I had eight weeks to get my degree, and I went, and I said, I quit. I got my stuff, and they were like, are you sure that's what you heard? And I said, I'm sure. Jesus said he would teach me, and I trust that. And I got all my stuff, and I left. So from there, um, being on welfare, one of the first things he did out of Dole's mouth, you know, in First uh, Chronicles 20, 20, I believe it is, it says that, um, um, believe the Lord your God, so you should be established and believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So, you know, Dole's a prophet, that, an apostle that God sent to me. And, um, and so I... I wanted to obey that, and I did. And and what can I thought? What can I lose? What do I have to lose? I'm on welfare, and um, so I. Um, so the first thing out of Dole's mouth, he said, "Get out of the food stamp line." He, Dole was here. I'm in California. Dole's here in in Plano, Texas, and he's speaking to me out of from Plano, Texas, out of his mouth. I knew God was speaking to me. So I did. I went off in food stamps. I went off the money. I gave up the money. Low-income housing, I was, you know, had to pay very cheap rent. The only thing with in the medical, you get all that for free. But the thing is, is that they want to keep you poor. I didn't realize they want to keep you poor. Um, and and 14 years, I made $50,000. In 14 years, that's how much I made uh, being on welfare working. Okay, so when God told me to get off that food stamp line and to get off that, in 10 years, I made 400 and I think it was $67,000. Thousand for 14 years, or you want to go up almost, you know, over $400,000. And it was, God's just, you know, I obeyed him, what he told me to do from, from one thing to another. I asked him, I told him I wanted a car. I needed a car because my car wasn't doing too well. He told me, pay your bills, and I knew what he was talking about. So he gave me the money. I actually moved out of that apartment. I got off welfare. I got off food stamps. He moved me out. I was living in downtown LA, and he moved me back to Orange County where I grew up and um, from there he gave me a job um, I needed a car he said pay the bills he gave me enough money in two months to pay those bills and then uh, I didn't really have the credit to get a car um, but thankfully my parents you know they said hey we want to help you get a car one day I'm like oh cool so then they helped me get the car and um, it went from one thing to another he just he he gave me the job thank God for the for everything that he's done for me and it was from believing the gospel but I want to tell you if you want it, welfare it just keeps you poor that you know if you want to get out God wants us to rely on him and what the gospel did and what Jesus did for us Jesus made us rich Jesus paid a dear price for us. He went through a lot of pain. And everything that he did in hanging on that cross, he shed his blood for us. He was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead for us. And we were, he made us prosperous. He made us rich. And God wants us to depend on him and believe that gospel and what his son did for us than to rely on the government that wants to keep you poor. Amen. She, we were talking about this a little later, and she was sharing with me one of the things she did when she went off the food stamps and when she started obeying the gospel was she started giving. 
And she, saw, she showed me, she sent me the images of, of when she was first giving to the Lord, you know, $40 or, or, or $30 or $70, however made she that week. But she sent them on um, money orders. She didn't have a bank account. She didn't wait till she was at a certain level to give. She started giving that moment. And she started giving out of what she had. Well, I don't have a lot. You give out of what you have. You give out of what you have. And you don't wait. And that immediately started her walking with God. That is part of the gospel. Jesus made you rich. But you know what? It takes faith to get there. And one of the things that you're going to need to use your faith on is giving. Giving. God will tell you what to give. He'll tell you what to start with. I remember when I was in high school, I got my very first job uh, other than babysitting. And I was a custodian in my little town of Randolph's post office. Now, the little town of Randolph's post office was not much bigger than your living room. It was that little. But I got a job there. I asked, I bid for it through the government, the big federal government, little old me, and I got it. I was getting paid twice of what other people were getting paid minimum wage because that's nobody else bid for it. I mean, God set that up. I must have worked maybe, I think, three or four hours a week. So when, and back, and this is back in 1976, 77. So I made probably $30 a month, a week. I mean, we're not talking a lot. $30 a week. But you know what? God put it in my heart to give some money to someone who is in the mission field. And I gave them $10 a month. That's what, that was in my heart. I gave them $10 a month. I mean, and, and, and I had a car payment. I bought a car and my car payment was 50 bucks. So I didn't have a whole lot left over, but that was all right. I lived at home. They fed me, they clothed, you know, and, and I started there. You know what? Then God stopped that job and he gave me another job as a waitress. And I put myself through school as a waitress, tithing. I didn't know about giving, but I knew, but I read about, you know, I heard about tithing and God put it in my heart to tithe, 10%. 10%. I mean, I was so legal, 10% to the penny. I gave 10%. I was a waitress. On a good night where I worked, you'd make $15 in tips. That was a good night. Most of the time, it was between 12 and 14. And I would check every day what 10% of that was, and I'd take it out. And I gave it to my the church I was going to at that time, which was the United Methodist Church. I came, I mean, I, I sat on the floor, Dole tells the story, I rolled my coins and I took my dollars and I tried to get as much of it in a dollar bill as I could and I put it in a little envelope and I put it in a Methodist church. You know what? It was like the Methodist church went, who is this? You know why? Not very many people in the Methodist church were tithing. I, the next thing I know, they give me a box of envelopes with my name in Boston gold on them. Because I was given maybe $10 a week. Yeah. But you know what? God honored it. God honored it. That woman that gave the two mites gave out of what she needed. God honored. You think, and who, who saw that? Jesus saw it. You think that woman got what she needed? Jesus saw her put that money in there. Well, God honored. And it wasn't too long after that. I moved in with my roommate in an apartment. And God made sure with my tithing we had everything we needed. They even gave us a washer and dryer. 
a little washer and dryer, was given to us. Why? Because I was obeying God, and I believe she was too, in tithing. God will meet you where you're at. Now, let's go back to prayer. We are learning about how to pray. We are not just learning how to fold our hands and say grace. We are learning God is teaching us, ministering us to how to change things, how to change people, how to change situations, how to change the world on our knees, on our knees, through our hearts. Um, we, we had last week, we've been talking about prayer, about be, it is effectual and fervent. We talked about how to be shamelessly persistent. Shamelessly persistent. Oh, that was a fun message to give because that's what we need to be with God. Shamelessly persistent. He told us that. And then we talked about when we stand praying, we have to forgive. Our prayers won't be heard if we don't forgive. We have to forgive. We have to. We cannot walk with any hate. If you're praying against somebody out of hate, God laughs at you. God laughs at you. And then we talked about uh, giving thanks. And we're going to go back to that right now. First Corinthians, uh, First Timothy 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore. I exhort. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all, all men. Notice it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, first of all. You know, I, it comes up in my spirit. I, I have some, somebody, some people that God has given me to pray for specifically. I mean, I pray for the women all the time. When you come up into my heart, I pray for you. Why? That's our job. But there was a couple, a couple that God had given me to pray specifically. And one day, I was uh, working with the bank, and I accidentally did something to where I took money out of the wrong account, and I ended up with the, with the account being overdrawn. Now, that's not my normal thing to make that kind of mistake, but I made it, and I had to change things, it was here, and it was with the church money, oh Jesus, it was with the church money, you know, of all the things you don't want to mess up, it was the church money, why, because then they come and talk to you, anyway, they came and talked to me, and I got in the car, and I said, Lord, what did I do, what is wrong that this happened, because this doesn't normally happen, and you know what the Lord told me, you're not praying for these people enough, Really? Really? You know what? I got on the ball. And I pray for them every time I think of them. And you know what? That hasn't happened since. Hasn't happened since. Now, let's go. I exhort, there, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, beginning of giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. Now, the next one. Oh, before we do the next verse, I want you to go to Job 42. There is a wonderful truth in here that we need to see this in our prayer life. We are becoming prayer warriors. We are becoming women of prayer. You know what Jesus said? My house should be called a house of prayer. It is not a house of preaching. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. 
Do you know to become to, to be a minister of the gospel, to preach like I do, takes hours of prayer. Hours. Now, uh, Job, last chapter, 42, verse 10. This is interesting. It says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And we all know the story of Job. Bad things happened to Job. It says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. That's a good thing to hear. Now let's go back to 1 Timothy 2, verse 2. I'm going to begin in verse 1 again. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We will, in the coming weeks, take most of these and look at them more closely. Supplication, intercession, giving of thanks, we will look at more closely. But at verse 2, four kings, four kings, first of all, that these kind of prayers be made for kings and all that are in authority. All that are in authority. Do you see that word all that are in authority? Not just the ones you like. Not just the authorities that you like. I will reiterate again what I said last week. I think it was last week. It says in 1 John that if you hate, if you hate a brother, you have no eternal life in you. No eternal life. If you hate people, authorities, in a different political party than you, if you hate them, you have, you have no eternal life in you. Do you hear that? That is the Apostle John saying it. If there is hate in your heart, you have no eternal life in you. David, we know, said, don't I hate them that hate thee. That's a hate that God will put in you for some, someone if they have, if it's God. But if God doesn't tell you, don't go volunteering. I want to show you about a man that was dangerous, dangerous to Christians. Go to Acts 9. If there was anybody that the Christians hated, it had been this guy. Acts 9, verse 1. And Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Against the disciples of the Lord. Hated Christians, wanted them dead. And went unto the high priest and desired him letters of Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any Christians, any of this way, whether they were men or women, men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem and throw them in jail. He wanted them dead. Now, the Christians we know by Ananias were afraid of him. Afraid of him. Why? Because if you ran into him, you ended up in jail or worse. Now, what did God do with this man that hated Christians? 
What did God do with an enemy? He was an enemy of Christians. What did God do with the enemy? It is beautiful what God did with the enemy. You think there might have been some people praying about this enemy? Look what he did. I love it. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shone right about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The enemy. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Their enemy, Jesus himself, went and fixed the situation. Fixed the situation of an enemy of the Christians. You know, God is in that business. You know, God is in that business. Do you know it's wonderful? We don't have to decide ourselves who's going to hell and who isn't. I thank God that's not my job. I thank God I don't have to make the verdict. We have a judge of the whole earth. That's his job. And you know what Jesus has decided with this one? We're not going to kill him. We're not going to send him to hell. We're going to make him one of the strongest Christians ever. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he was an enemy. We don't know. We don't know what God is doing with individuals. We don't know. That's why back with 1 Timothy 2, we pray for kings and all that are in authority. All of them. All of them. Even when they do this? Yes, even when they do that. We don't know. We are not their judge. Thank God we are not their judge. God is their judge. And let's go on. For kings and all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It is our job to pray for kings and all that are in authority. It is our job. First of all. Now look, why? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It is good and acceptable. God is pleased when we do this. That's enough for me to do it. It pleases God. It pleases God. There are days you think you couldn't please God if you tried any harder than you are. Well, pray for kings, all that are authority, and give thanks, and that'll please God. Okay, Lord, at least this one thing I do today will place you when you have those kind of days. It says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who will, and look at this, why? Who will have all men, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Do you see that? Don't, you don't ever have to say again, do you think God would want that one saved? The answer is right here. Who will have all men to be saved. All men to be saved. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. And we know with Ephesians 1.13, the truth is the gospel. The truth is the gospel. 
And you know what you will find out when we start praying for kings and all that are authority and giving thanks unto all men? Some of the dislike for them starts to go away. We start to get the compassion of Jesus. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories is about the Nuremberg trials after World War II. The Nuremberg trials were the tr after World War II, when Germany was defeated, when Japan was defeated, there were the, the Allies had trials in Germany for who was left of the third rank. There were 21 high officials in the third rank, generals, and um, up, you know the, the Secret Service, all those. They put 21 of those men on trial at the Nuremberg trials. Now, these men were involved in atrocities of war. I mean atrocities. Some of them are responsible for the six million deaths of the Jews. And not only the six million death of Jews, but seven million of what they called undesirables. That's a lot of murder. That's a lot of murder. And some of them were responsible, directly responsible. 21 of these high officials were put on trial. And you know what America did? This is, our, this is our country. Did you know that in 1893, I think, the Supreme Court declared that America was a Christian nation? They haven't turned it over yet. Thank God. Well, America said with the 21 that are on trial, and they were on trial to be put to death. They were not on trial to see how many years they were going to be in, in jail. They were first-degree murder, obviously. They were on trial to be hanged. And America said, we have got to have somebody minister to these men. We have to. Why? Because we're Americans. Because we have a godly nation. And they asked a gentleman, uh, the 21 of the 21 that were put on trial, 13 of them were Lutheran, which is a lot of Germany, from Martin Luther. And then the rest of them were Catholic. So 13 of them were Lutheran. They asked a gentleman by the name of Henry Garricky. Sounds like Cherokee. Garricky. And they asked him to minister, if he would minister to these 21, the 13 that were Lutheran, if he would minister to them. Now, he got a lot of slack from his peers. From his fellow officers, they said, you are bordering on treason, ministering to these men. And others said, you are going to be looked at as anti-Semitic because of all the millions of the Jews that were killed. But you know what he said? Now, this was a man that was born in Missouri. His father was from Germany. So in his home, he was fluent in German and English. He wanted to become a minister as a young man. His father didn't want him to do that. But he ended up doing it anyway. And then he went, he joined the army because he was fluent in German, and he was a Lutheran minister. They sent him to Germany, and he would minister to the German prisoners of war. What did he minister to them? The same thing that Luther ministered to them. Jesus died. He was buried. and He rose again, and it's justification by faith. Justification. There's justification in Jesus. So they asked him, would you minister to these men? 
with all his peers and all the pressure he got, he said, I must, I must, I must do what Jesus would do. He said, my loyalty is not to America, but it's to Jesus. It's to Jesus. He said he'd do it. He offered his services to 13 of those men. And some of them received it. He would minister them one-on-one. -on -one. They wouldn't put them together in a group. Well, I guess a couple times they did have chapel. But he ministered to them one-on-one. -on -one. And you know what he ministered to them? God forgives. God will forgive through Jesus. Do you realize the power? The power of the gospel. The power of the crucifixion. Jesus crucified. Jesus buried. Going to hell. Jesus raised again. Do you realize the power? The power in that gospel that you could minister that to somebody who is responsible for six million deaths. Six million. And talk to them about forgiveness. Talk to them that Jesus bore their sin on the cross. And he did. He did. Of the 13, I think of the 21, 13 went to the gallows. And... Uh, Garricky said, those 13 that went to the gallows, four, four of them were born again. Were born again. They didn't go to hell for eternity. That is the strength of our gospel. We give thanks for all kings. All that are in authority. You, our prayers can change men. They can change men. I pray often for people that the same spirit of grace, the same spirit of grace that was on John Newton, a wicked, wicked man on a slave ship, that same spirit that talked to him for 11 hours, ministered to him, pressured him. Oh, have you ever felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost? that spirit of faith, that same spirit be on them. You know what? It works. It works. There is nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Your loved ones are rulers in America. We can change. We can change. Turn with me. We will finish in Second Chronicles. 714, we all know this verse, but this is what our prayers will do. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, and every Jesus died for every man. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Did you know that it takes humility to pray? Did you ever consider that? It takes humility to take time. Get on your knees or however you talk to God and pray. It takes humility. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I don't know if you see it. We have a president today that wasn't supposed to ever be a president. God puts up kings. 
and he takes down kings. And we, with our prayers, can get things done. We can get things done. We can get people born again in prayer. It's one in prayer. It is not one preaching. It is one in the prayers before the preaching. Everything is done one in prayer, and then we see the manifestation. You know when you have prayed through. You know when you have got it. You know when the prayer has been heard, and all you're waiting for is the manifestation. You know in here when you have got it. Ladies, Doll said, I need a group of women that can pray. Well, God had them say that, and then God told me, get the women to pray. Teach us, us, how to pray. Amen? Amen. We pray for everyone. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give the prayer that I pray most of the time for our government, and I'll go through the different, the different branches, but I'll say, Father, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead be on them, convincing them, like this morning, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You know, you can cause a judge to change their verdict. You can cause a judge to change his mind before he opens his mouth. I've seen it. I've seen it. That's what prayer will do. That's what prayer will do. You don't have to hear. I love what I said the other night. The last word is not from the doctor. The last word is not from the judge. The last word is not from a lawyer. It is not from your teacher. It is not from your employer. What is the last word? It is not the word. It is what Jesus did. It is what Jesus did. That's the last word, if you will believe. That is the last word. It is what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, 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 I thank you. 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 Father, there is someone that needs a situation to change. Father, I thank you. There is someone that needs a situation to change. 
Father, I pray it is written, mercy rejoices against judgment. Father, mercy, mercy rejoices against judgment. It is written, Father, mercy, mercy rejoices against judgment. Mercy, Father, mercy rejoices against judgment. Father, mercy rejoices against judgment. Father, mercy, mercy, mercy rejoices against judgment. Mercy, mercy, Father, rejoices against judgment. It is written. It is written. Mercy, mercy rejoices against judgment. And you delight to show mercy. You delight to show mercy. Show it here. Show it here. Mercy rejoices against judgment. Amen. You keep praying that. And you'll get it. Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861 327 Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.